Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything. Prayer, meditation, therapy, (laughs) coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. A major part of this approach is talking openly about what my grief is like instead of keeping it to myself. With this newfound permission to let all the parts of me be here, I feel more human and less like a robot on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and from others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about our grief public service announcement series. We are on number four of 10. Um, And as a recap, um, the first was that time does not heal our wounds. The second is that when we lose someone, they never go away. The third from last week, we can welcome the experience of grief without welcoming the loss itself. That's one of my favorite discoveries. Um, And today we're just talking about the fact that there is no right thing to say. And I'm going to go ahead and start the way I normally do and read this post in and then talk about it on the back side. It's a little bit longer than some of my other podcasts, so I like to give that kind of heads up so that you know, if you've had enough, you can take a break, you can always come back or not, whatever you need. Um, And so here it goes. This is number four of 10. There is no right thing to say. Sometimes the public service announcements in this grief series focus on how to support someone who's grieving. Others have a stronger target audience of people who are actually grieving and suffering right now. This PSA is directly applicable to both a supporter and an actual griever, which means that this truth can reach a lot of people. And it's literally relevant to grief supporters and also to grievers, which altogether qualifies just about everybody, I guess. A recently published podcast episode on the healing path stressed the importance of keeping an open mind. There was a discussion about how open-mindedness isn't really valued in our culture, but that knowing it all seems to be pretty high on the Western virtue list. Um, And this cultural constraint, it can really turn grievers upside down and isolate everybody. So uh, real quick, there will be a link to that particular post, which I believe is called Ducks. But when you go to the website, lisamcfarland.com, click on blog, and you'll be able to um, get to that post. So knowing it all. So the idea that some people know it all, and we should strive to be like them, goes completely sideways when we lose someone we love. Because we realize literally in one instant that our life as we knew it is over. 
And since we never had to start a new life before, we literally know nothing about this new world without our loved one. So our solitary suffering gets compounded by the reality that while we may be excelling in our careers financially or physically, we are absolutely naive and unknowledgeable about our new unexpected reality. Since our culture shames a lack of knowledge about things, we allow very little of our experience to even arise within us, and even less of that experience to see the light of day around others. We're scared, and so we button up everything tightly. Since we're in uncharted territory and we know it's not cool to look unprepared, we hide, and we can take a long time uh, to make a decision to come out of hiding. And we may not even get there in this lifetime, and that is okay. But know that if you're grieving or supporting someone who is, that you're not coming up short. There is no right thing to say to the mourning person, M-O-U-R-N-A-N-G, or to your community if you're the one that's grieving. People are going to stumble over their words in writing, in person, in messages, and in chats, or worse, they and we say nothing and stay locked in silence. We really don't actually want to do the latter and stay locked in silence because we know that that choice doesn't end well for anyone. But we don't want to put our foot in our mouths and say the wrong thing. It's fascinating to me when I look back and I think about when my children died I was so concerned with everyone else's well-being, and I never allowed my own experience to surface until decades later. Um, I know people felt uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable, intimidated even, because the unthinkable had happened to me, and there was no way of getting around that for the people that care about me. So here's the good news and the point of the grief PSA for today. We can all make the process of grief a little lighter by just calling out the fact that there's nothing to say or do to help someone feel better or be better. And there's nothing that we grievers can say to help our loved ones support us more profoundly. But there is action. And when someone you love is hurting, we can carry out this action of naming the obvious, which might look something like this, quote, I'm so sorry this has happened to you. I wish there was something I could say to help, but I know there isn't. So instead, just know that I am here when you want to vent, cry, eat a hot fudge sundae, or take a walk, unquote. So a note here about authenticity. So authenticity, I call it the love engine that powers compassionate action. So let me say that again, because it's pretty powerful. Authenticity is the love engine that powers compassionate action. So we need for ourselves to first be still with our own feelings so we can allow the clarity of what we want to convey to actually arise. This naming the obvious, it's a bit of a fill-in-the-blank statement, but it's got to have some version of a common thread that acknowledges that you know that there's nothing to say. Um, it could look something like, quote, I wish there was something I could say, but there isn't, unquote. 
understanding this and saying it out loud in a card or a text (laughs) takes both the griever and the supporter off the hook. Because when we're in deep grief, we already know there's nothing to say. Calling it out, I guess it kind of levels the playing field. Instead of looking around for help, we simply say to someone that's trying to support us, quote, this sucks. This is not my choice. But I'm not going to tell you it's okay because it's not. And since there's no right thing to say, let's not try to get it right. Let's just stay present to one another, sharing in the surrender of knowing that words do not help us much where grief is concerned. So as a second action, in addition to acknowledging there's no right thing to say, basically by saying, I know there's no right thing to say, is moving, though, into being present to that person. And what does that mean? I said that authenticity is the love engine. So being yourself and really thinking about how you want to connect with someone um, can really, you know, fuel that compassionate action. And our senses are so dulled when we're hurting. This is my experience. Again, I never try to speak for someone else. But but when we're grieving, we just sometimes we can't hear anything or be present for any sensory experience. Um, Sometimes like having a, you know, a blanket or a veil or something over you just feel like you're not yourself. Um, But if you're sitting next to me, and we're talking about something random, like the weather, at least I can experience a few moments of not aloneness, because mostly um, aloneness is what the experience of grief is. So this can look like an experience that I had a few years back. And if you want to tap out for a bit, this is a great place to do it because I'm going to move into an example now. So if you're still here with me, that's awesome. Um, So this can look like um, something I experienced where a few years back, a really close friend of mine's child died suddenly and he and they had been part of our lives for a very long time. And um, I will say, for me, my heart was broken for my friend, just fractured, because I knew the terrain of bearing a child and how impossible it would be to navigate. I knew she was on this journey too now, and I knew there were no words, and I knew her body was there but it was empty. So instead of trying to say the right thing, I just leaned in and whispered, I know there's no right thing to say, but I will stay by your side now and always. You are not alone, and I will love you no matter what. And that was it. This friend of mine that we've been talking for two decades, um, it just came down to that. I didn't try to sugarcoat it or say it will be okay or reference one of the few acceptable phrases we proclaim when someone dies, like, everything happens for a reason, (laughs) or this will get easier, or at least he or she is not still suffering, or God only gives you what you can handle, or what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. There's so many to choose from, but I just called it out. No one knows what to do now. So don't feel isolated or alone because you don't know what to do because nobody knows what to do. And I won't leave you alone in your grief. And that, 
is one of the most loving gifts we can give ourselves and others because very few people have any words at all to express grief until they are run over by it. And when we're recovering from being hit by an 18-wheeler, we're usually not in a state of mind to take up a new language. So we have this loving blanket statement to put our hearts on the same side of this pain, as well as releasing us both from having to fix anything. We can't anyway. So why not take the pressure off and tell it like it is? Try this simple action. If someone you love is hurting, especially if that someone is you, let others know. Thanks for supporting us. There's nothing for anyone to say at this point. And then just open to the concept that since there is no right thing, even people saying those common phrases mean well. And we can choose to brace against inappropriate commentary, because there's plenty of it, um, and tell ourselves how wrong that person is or how inappropriate. Or we can choose to open to the loving intentions behind the words. Let these folks off the hook and let ourselves off the hook. When grief turns lives upside down, the best thing we can do is forget about words and focus on compassionate action. Call out the fact that there's nothing to say, then show your love, presence, and support by consistently showing up for that person. Their grief journey and healing paths, they're just beginning. So continue to invite them for coffee every month. Let them know you're taking a walk today and see if they'd like to go or just send, I love this, sending simple messages and cards with a loving intention, um, not the goal of fixing. I, as a side note, love cards. Um, when our daughter died, someone so special in my life just routinely sent me a card, like about every month. And it was so gently received by me because I didn't have to respond to it. I didn't have to validate it. I didn't have to take care of the person that was sending it. It was just these messages of love. And I know it's hard and I'm here. And it, it just could be so genuinely received by me because I wasn't, if I opened this card, <laughs> nobody was watching me. Or if I wasn't around like mentally, if I couldn't, you know, really plug in, I might not even open it for a couple of days or even a couple of weeks. But when I did, it was just so unassuming and it didn't require me to do anything but just receive the love. So I have to share that because it's super powerful. Um, but anyway, back to the post. So let's just agree that words don't cut it when it comes to grief. And let's move toward taking the compassionate action needed to carry this person forward, including and especially ourselves, until they or we begin to wake up from the trance of pain. Because until that slow process starts moving, we can't hear, think, or remember anything anyway. So thanks for tuning in um, to this episode of The Healing Path podcast. And yeah, there's no right thing to say. So I think this is good news. 
Um, because I do feel like if we can just all <laughs> call it out, that we can stop pretending like there is something right to say, but we just don't know what it is. Like it's our shortcoming. Or as a griever, you know, what do you need? And, you know, the fact is we don't know. So let's just call it out and say, hey, there are no words. Do you want to go to Top Golf and swing your clubs today? Or, you know, let's go for a walk around the lake or let's go to a movie. You know, I think what I craved for a long time when I was really in deep grief was wanting to be able to be with other people, but not have to be like the center or I don't know. I just, I felt very self-conscious. And I think if I had said to my friends, like, Hey guys, no need to tip around, tiptoe around here. Um, I'm in a lot of pain, but guess what? We don't have to talk about it all the time. We could just enjoy each other's company and, you know, let ourselves and each other off the hook. So I do think this is good news, but you may have another experience. Um, maybe if someone says, well, there's no right thing to say, so I'm just not going to say anything. Um, you know, that's not compassionate action, but we also have to give compassion to people that are trying to support us. And there's just, since our culture doesn't support, um, an integration of pain into our experience. We're just so, we're just at such a disadvantage when it happens. And unfortunately, it does happen and it will happen. And if you get through this lifetime without having to grieve profoundly, you're probably in the minority. Um, so it's a good thing to learn how to discuss. And it's also a super good thing to be able to say, Hey, this sucks. And I know there's nothing I can say, but you know, let's go kick the soccer ball around or you know, whatever it is. So I hope this has been helpful. My commentary is going to be a little bit limited because I think the post covered a lot of this, but I always encourage and invite comments on the blog. Um, this post again was shared on the 23rd of June, 2022, and it's called grief public service announcement number four, there's no right thing to say. So it's easy to find if you want to come back to it. Um, and underneath in the comments, just, you know, share what might be helpful for you, or maybe this has worked for you, or maybe you think this is a good idea, or maybe somebody said this to you once and you clocked them. <laughs> so whatever it is, um, our community needs your input and your experiences. And I hope you'll share them with us. So until next time, let's keep trying to stay present, stay grateful, and stay healing. And as always, I so appreciate your interest and your listening to this podcast.